Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Welcome to Calvary Church Online. We're so glad once again that you are with us. We love you very much. And uh, you just saw a little bit of what happened last night here at our night of worship on the lawn. Come on. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, The turnout was incredible. Over 500 people showed up. Uh, Miami-Dade Police Department was here. We want to thank them. Uh, They came to serve us, and uh, we just love them, and we thank God for their lives and all they do for our city and for our county. Last night was awesome. Gave us a little bit of a preview of what church is going to be like when we open back up on November 8th. Come on. We're coming back strong November 8th, and you heard uh, Adam and Steph talk about that just a moment ago. The comeback is November 8th, and that day, that Sunday, we're going to start a brand new series, which I'm really, really excited about, uh, How to Stand After Life knocks you down. And so really pumped about that. I hope you're doing well. Let us know in the chats. Let us know in the chats where you're watching from. Let us know. uh, Maybe you're in Miami. Where in Miami are you watching from? Are you with somebody? Tell us, are you with uh, family? Are you with mom, with dad, maybe sons, daughters? Who are you with today? Let us know in the chats. We got some of the staff and team here in the studio. And so we're super excited, getting ready for Romans part two. And so I want to welcome everybody, uh, all of our YouTube and Facebook family, people that watch us across our city, across the country, and across the world. Uh, my name is Alex. Me and my wife, Diana, are the lead pastors here at Calvary, along with an incredible pastoral team, staff team, and dream team. And we're excited about all that God is doing, even in the midst of a pandemic. He's for you. He loves you. He is on your side. Amen. Hey, can we uh, go to Romans? Go to Romans chapter 3. Go to Romans chapter 3. We're continuing our series, which we started last week. We started the book of Romans. Come on. The book of Romans. I'm really excited about the book of Romans. Last week was extremely, extremely important to understand uh, what the book of Romans is about, to understand all that the author, Paul, is trying to tell us. And we spoke about chapters 1, 2, and 3 last week. And uh, it was absolutely, I think, important that we understand what this letter is trying to tell us. It's probably one of the most important letters in the New Testament. Um, and so we're covering ground. That Make sure you pick up your journal. How many of you got your journal? Make some noise. Come on. Let us know if you got your journal on the comments. Uh, make sure you download the journal. You can go to calvaryconnect.shop. Calvaryconnect.shop. And uh, it's absolutely free. We're doing a 30-day reading guide together. We're doing a soap together. And so it's going to be awesome. And you're not too late. You can still jump in. CalvaryConnect.shop. I think we're putting up the link for you guys to see where you can download the journal. Make sure you get it. It's a PDF. You can follow us, uh, follow with us uh, along on the book of Romans. Romans chapter 3. While you're going there, look at the person next to you. Tell them you look good today. Come on, look at somebody with you at your house and tell them I'm glad you're next to me. Come on, whether that's a family member or a friend, uh, all of us are still uh, feeling the effects of last night. Come on. But we're awake and we're ready to go. Amen? Romans chapter 3. Go to Romans chapter 3. Last week, uh, we finished off in Romans chapter 3, verse 20. We kind of stopped at the midway point. Romans chapter 3, verse 20 is where we paused last week. I would say that's the first section 
of the book of Romans. We're about to begin the second section of the book of Romans, and I'll explain all that in just a moment. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. If you're there, can you type amen? Can you shout amen if you're here? And uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Okay, Paul continues to write. In the beginning of verse 21, he says, but now, somebody say, but now. Apart from the law, the righteousness of God, that's an important term we learned about last week, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. I love that. Verse 25. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just And the one who justifies those have faith in Jesus. We're going to pause in verse 26. Today, I want to cover the second part or the second section of the book of Romans. I believe that's chapters 3, the half of 3, 4, and 5 is what we're going to be covering today. Uh, We don't go verse by verse because it'll take us probably about five years to go through the book of Romans. Uh, But we are doing that in our reading day plan. All of us are reading all of Romans in this 30-day reading plan. But today, I want to cover this section. And I've titled this message, How Much More? How much more? Come on, look at the person next to you and tell them, how much more? more? Look at the person on the other side now and tell them, you too, how much more? more? Type that on the chat, how much more? Come on, put some Calvary claps, put some fire emojis. We're excited about church today, and I'm excited about Romans uh, part two. Let's pray, and then we'll begin part two of the book of Romans. Everybody ready? Everybody got coffee? Got some breakfast? Let's go. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your love. Thank you for a team that's here making online church happen. Thank you for friends and family across the world on Facebook and on YouTube that have subscribed and are part of our church no matter where they are. God, we pray that today you would open up our eyes to see you, to understand what you're trying to tell us through this letter. We believe that the Holy Spirit inspired it, the Holy Spirit directed it, and you're here right now wanting to speak to our hearts. Thank you for loving human beings like us. We don't deserve it, and there's no way we can earn it, but it's through your grace. God, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, all of God's people say amen. One more time. All of God's people say amen. Can we make some noise for Jesus? Come on. Make some noise. Uh, 2001. 2001 Honda Accord. That's it. That's the tweet. 2001 Honda Accord, um, that was my second car. I've talked about the first car I ever owned, which was an Isuzu Rodeo uh, or Rodeo, um, if you want it to be fancy. But my second car was a 2001 Honda Accord. Any Honda fans in here? Come on. Hondas, I think, are absolutely amazing. And I always loved the Honda Accord. And in 2001, my sister bought this brand new car. After uh, maybe two, three years, she actually handed it down to me. She got married and ended up getting other cars. Uh, but, but I needed a car, and so she's like, hey, just take over the payments on this Honda Accord. Anyways, I was in love with this car. Can I tell you, I rode this car to the wheels fell off. I rode this car 
nonstop. Like, it was amazing. It was my faithful friend. I loved it. It was beautiful. I always wanted a Honda Accord. I finally got it. And I remember I rode this car till it could no more, right? I, I literally remember I drove this car for 13 years. I had it for 13 years. At the end, it was done. The engine was about to go. Transmission was about to go. Remember, I took it to this mechanic, and he gave me a, a really bad diagnosis. He said, this car is finished. It's done. Um, there's no more life in this Honda Accord. I remember I was heartbroken. I remember I was so sad because my beautiful Honda Accord was finished, right? And because the car was bad, I knew my next step. Okay, I need a, I, I, to, to, to like just get a new engine, new transmission, new everything with all the miles it had. I'm talking about it almost had 200,000 miles. It was done. It was done. 13 years old. Um, it was done. I said, okay, my next step is probably to uh, junk it. I'm done. The car is finally done. Because of the condition, I knew the next step of the vehicle. I think that the same thing happens in our life. When we look at the condition of our life and we say, I've done so much wrong. I've messed up too much. Oh, I've ridden this bad boy till the wheels fell off. Uh, My engine is blown. The transmission is gone. I've done stuff nobody knows about. We can so easily think that our condition determines our position. Because I'm messed up, God can't use me. I'm too bad. I'm too messed up. I'm too far from God. Maybe you're watching this morning. You're in your living room, in your bedroom. Maybe you're in your office cubicle, and you're saying, you don't know me. I'm I'm too messed up. I've done too much wrong. I'm too far gone. There's no way that God can reach me. There's no way that God can love me. My engine's been blown. The transmission is gone. I've lost control of my life a long time ago. The steering wheel went crazy. Nobody knows where my life is. My marriage is a mess. My family is a mess. Maybe you're watching today, and you're saying, because of my present condition, I already know my position in life. And it's not a child of God. And it's not to be used by God. And you've already placed your life in the junkyard of life. There's no restoring this. There's no bringing it back. I, I can't do anything with this. I'm too far gone. There's too much shame, too much guilt. What I love about the book of Romans and what I love about God, the God that we serve, is that even when you're too far gone, even when you're too messed up, even when you think God can't, I'm here to tell you there's good news, there's great news. Come on. I want to tell you today that your history is not your destiny. We serve a God that restores. We serve a God that saves. Come on. We serve a God that delivers. We serve a God that restores all things. Can I get an amen? Oh, come on. Somebody give God a big praise today. Come on. Your history is not your destiny. You're not too far gone. It doesn't matter how much we've messed up our life. It doesn't matter how much miles we put in the vehicle of our vessel. It doesn't matter if the transmission has been blown. It doesn't matter if the the bags have been packed. The family is out. Can I tell you, we serve a God of restoration. We serve a God of hope. We serve a God of glory. Can I get an amen? amen? And this is what the book of Romans is all about. When we left off last week, we finished off with the grim picture of humanity, right? Chapter three was like, okay, Paul, thank you for the great news. <laughs> humanity is guilty. Somebody shout guilty. guilty. That was chapter three. 
Remember, last week, let me give you just a little bit of recap. We started the book of Romans, and Romans chapter 1 was all about those who are far from God, those who want nothing to do with God, Gentiles who suppress the truth, and uh, they, they're confused in life, and, 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 and Paul says, you're, you're a sinner, right? Uh, chapter 2 was about the Jewish religious people who really are just religious hypocrites because they're sinners too. And he's like, don't point your finger at the sinner because you also do the same thing. And so it's about the hypocrites. And then you go to chapter three and Paul says, basically, everybody's a sinner. All of us are sinners. All of us have failed. And that's where we left off in chapter three, verse 20. Now, now he begins this new section of Romans. And I'm excited about this. Come on. I'm really excited about this because in verse 21, he begins with two words. He says, but now, but now, somebody say, but now, but now. He, he's given us this bad picture. He's saying every, none are righteous. All are guilty. All of us, including Paul himself. He says, humanity, the picture is bleak. We're all guilty. This is bad. And then this one preacher said it's the Grand Canyon between verse 20 and verse 21. It's a brand new section that's starting in the book of Romans. And he says, but now. One more time. Somebody type or shout, but now. But now. now. Oh, I know it's been dark. I know it's been bad. I know all of us are guilty, but now. None are righteous, but now. Oh, I know you've gone through this pandemic. It's been six months of hard times, but can I tell you, but now. We serve a but now God. Oh, I know the family's out, but now. I know your life has been messed up, but now. I know you've been in addictions, but now. I know you've been in darkness and depressed, but now. I'm here to tell somebody we have a but now God that in a moment he can turn it around, that in a moment he can heal, that in a moment he can deliver, but now. Somebody shout, but now. But now, now, says Paul, this is an important thing. You might have been going through six, seven months of heartache, heartbreak, depression, darkness. But in a moment, God can turn it around. But now, look at verse 21, Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been known, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. He says, but now the righteousness of God, we see it. Humanity's guilty. None are righteous, but now. And he's going to introduce a brand new section in the book of Romans. We go from this first section of Romans being all about condemnation. Somebody say Condemnation. Humanity's condemned. We're guilty. We've all done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong, condemnation. And now he's going to go into a brand new section. Look at verse 23 and 24 with me. Go to Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. He says, for all. Somebody say, for all. For all. Oh, one more time. Come on, a little bit stronger. He has some coffee. Come on. For all. For all. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And now look at verse 24. And all. Somebody say, and all. So it's for all, and now it's and all are justified. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. He says, all, right, all, for all, all have sinned. For all are basically in condemnation. But now because of Christ Jesus and all are justified because of Jesus Christ. All of us, because of our sin, 
were condemned. But all of us, because of Jesus Christ, can be justified. He goes from condemnation in section one to justification in section two. Somebody say justification. He brings up this word. This is an important word. I want you to write it down, put it in your notebook somewhere, put it on your journal. Justified. He brings up this word. He said, and all are justified freely by his grace. All have sinned and all are justified. This is the thing that he brings up. All have sinned and all are guilty, but now all are justified. The word justified, it's a legal term. It used to be used in legal terms in in the ancient world and literally means to declare somebody righteous. Right? A judge in ancient times, what he did is when the verdict was about to be given, he had two choices, either guilty or not guilty, either condemned or justified. This was the term that they used. Either you are condemned or you are justified. And so Paul says we were all condemned, but because of Jesus, we are all now justified. Right? What it means is God pardons our bad and declares us righteous in Jesus. One way to put it is imputed righteousness. What, literally what he does is that he declares you not guilty. He declares you righteous. It's not that you have been righteous. It's not that you are righteous. Literally imputed righteousness. He takes what's on Jesus and he puts it on you. In fact, it's double imputation because what Jesus is, he puts it on you. And who you were, he put it on Jesus on the cross. He took my sin. He took my condemnation. He took every failure that I've done, and he put it at Jesus on the cross. And when I believed in Jesus, he grabbed his righteousness, he grabbed his perfection, and he put it on me. I didn't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. There's no way I could behave my way there. But because I believe, I'm now declared righteous in front of God. Righteousness. And so we begin to move now into this new section. It's a beautiful exchange what happened at the cross. Paul is saying we were condemned and now we're righteous. We were guilty, now we're not guilty because of what happened at the cross through Christ Jesus. And so we begin this new section. It's the end of chapter 3, chapters 4 and 5, going through these three parts of of part 2 of Romans, the second section of the book of Romans. I want to give you three handles that I think we can take away from the rest of chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5. Everybody ready? I'm going to give you three. As he begins to talk about justification, I think one of the things that we can take away from the end of chapter 3, I love this one. Number one is that you need to know your value. Know your value. Because so many of us, we base our value on what friends have told us. We base our value on what parents told us growing up. You base your value on the salary that you make and you compare it to everybody else's. We base our value on what social media tells us about us. We base our value on what magazines tell us we should look like, on what Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram tell us we should look like. And so our value, our self-esteem is through the floor. We base our value on mistakes that we've done. We base our value on our past. We look at our past and we say, okay, I'm not that valuable. I'm not that great. I've made too many mistakes. Today, I want to tell you, your value comes from God. Your value doesn't come from social media. Your value doesn't come from your parents. Your values doesn't come from your friends. Your value doesn't come from your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, or your wife. Come on, there's a God who created you. There's a God who loves you, and he values you. He says you are valuable. Know your value. Somebody shout value. Value. 
The rescue is absolutely amazing. Why did God come and rescue humanity? Because he valued us. Because he cared about us. Right? Our unrighteousness was so bad. And God's righteousness is so good that he came and he rescued us because he thought you and me were valuable to him. This is amazing. This is great news. I didn't deserve this. But he thought I was valuable enough to save. Somebody else would have walked past me. Somebody else would have thrown me in the trash. Somebody else would have thought I was less than. Somebody else would have never extended a hand. But my God, Jesus came. He extended a hand and he pulled me out of the pit because he says, you're valuable to me. And so know your value. I think the, the last part of chapter three reminds us we are valuable to God. Martin Luther, who started the Protestant Reformation, he said this, night and day I pondered until I grasped the truth. That the righteousness of God is that which grace and mercy, he justifies us by faith. How could he give me the righteousness of God? It's only by his grace and by his mercy. He, he justified me. In other words, another way to remember justified, it's that justified means he leaves me just as if I've never sinned. Right? When we're justified, when we believe in Jesus and we're justified, We're left just as if we've never sinned. Chapter 3, he goes into justification, but then he brings up this other word called redemption. Somebody say redemption. Redemption. Paul talks about redemption. Now, this is an important word because this was a word that was used in the slave market in the ancient times. It literally means to buy something back because you place value on that thing. It was up on the slave block. It was being sold. Whoever had it before didn't care about it anymore. And so it was up on the marketplace. And the owner passes by and says, wait a minute, I see this, I want it, I think it's valuable, so I'm going to pay whatever price I have to pay to redeem it back and make it my own. That's redemption. So when, when God saw humanity, he says, oh, oh, I know they're deep in sin, I know they're guilty, I know none are righteous, but I love them so much, I'm going to pay the biggest price. I'm going to send my one and only son. I'm going to send my perfect son to go and redeem humanity back to me. Me and you have been redeemed. Come on, isn't that good news? Come on, we've been redeemed. There's a story about this man who bought a piece of jewelry. And he bought it off uh, one of these old uh, thrift stores. And he saw this piece of jewelry. He liked it. I think he paid like $10 for it. Went home and had it home for years. And after a while, he... He said, I'm going to get it cleaned up. And he took this piece of jewelry. He took it to a jeweler and he got it cleaned up. I think it was in London in the 1800s. As the guy who's cleaning the jewelry is is cleaning it up, he looks and he sees that uh, deep down inside this piece of jewelry, there's a small inscription and it was from Napoleon. And it had just been lost along the way. It had lost its value. Nobody even remembered where it was from, who it was from. It was so tiny you couldn't see it. And it ended up at this old store where somebody bought it for $10. The jeweler looked up and he says, I don't know what you want for this, but I'll, I'll give you whatever you want right now. In fact, I'll give you $25,000 for this piece right now. And he says, what do you mean? This is nothing. And he says, it's nothing to you, but it's everything to me. Some of us, we look at our lives and we say, this is nothing, I'm guilty. 
I've been condemned. I've done stuff nobody knows about. There's no way God can give me a brand new beginning. There's no way my family can be restored. There's no way my marriage can be saved. There's no way that I can be delivered. I've been in addiction too long. I've been in depression for too long. I've been in shame for too long. Can I tell you, there's an inscription inside of you. It's from the creator God, and he says, you're valuable. I'll pay whatever price to get you back. I'm after you. You got to know your value today. Can I get an amen? He loves you so much, he redeemed you. Redemption, Paul says. And then he brings up something else. He says, through the atonement of sins, by the shedding of blood. That's a word. One translation uses the word. is propitiation. It's a big word. Literally what it means is to buy back and to get back with blood. With blood. It says that the price for sin was so heavy, it needed blood. The word literally means to appease or to satisfy God's wrath through bloodshed. Because sin is so ugly, sin is so heavy, that it needs bloodshed to cover sin. That's why in the Old Testament, you needed to literally grab a goat or a bull, slice his neck, and let it bleed out. Because humanity needed to see, this is what my sin cost. The blood of a living creature. And in fact, they used to take it into the holies of holies and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. And when the blood was on the mercy seat, that's when God's wrath was satisfied. God is so angry at evilness. God is so angry at sin that life has to be given up so that we can appease his wrath. And God says, I don't want this wrath to go down on humanity, so I'll send my son. And the same way God used to meet people in the holies of holies in the mercy seat, he now meets humanity in Jesus. Jesus is the meeting place between God and mankind. Because of the shedding of blood. Know your value. This is what God thinks about us. That he justified us. He redeemed us. And he shed his blood for us. Today, I don't know where you're getting your value from. But I want to tell you, there's a God who loves you. There's a God who's for you. There's a God who's justified you through faith. Now, remember context. Who's Paul writing to? Paul is writing to Jewish Christians. And he's writing to Gentiles in the church. So five years before, Jews were kicked out of Rome. An old emperor kicked Jews out of Rome. Now they come back after five years. They're Christian. They go to this church in Rome. There's Gentiles there that have been Christians. And they say, wait, wait, in order for you to be saved, you need to be circumcised. You need to follow the Sabbath. You need to eat kosher. Otherwise, God doesn't accept you. So there was a confusion in Rome. Now, they're all reading this. Remember, context is key. Everybody following along? They're all reading and They're like, Paul, no. Yeah, we're justified, but you need to do a lot to be justified. Have you been circumcised? That's weird. <laughs> Are you eating kosher? Are you following the Sabbath? Are you following everything else? If not, you're not right with God, just by faith. And Paul's like, wait a minute, wait. No, it's that easy. It's just by faith. And so now we move on to chapter 4. Chapter 4 is a character case study of Abraham. You're going to read through this now this week as we read our journal. You're going to be like, okay, why does he bring up journal? You got to, why does he bring up Abraham in, in, in Romans? You got to understand he's writing to Jewish Christians and Gentiles. They're in a church. They're all not getting along. One say, uh, no, you need to do this. The other one say, no, I think I'm good. And so he's going to say, hey, guys, hey, guys. He knows what the religious people are talking about. He's answering their questions before they even ask it. He's saying we've been justified just as we've never sinned through faith in Jesus. And those of you who think you need to be circumcised or follow rituals, let me bring up Abraham. Remember Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. To them, he was the hero of the faith. Understand, for Jewish people, this was Father Abraham. 
You gotta, let's understand a little bit of Abraham. I've got a few minutes left. I'm going to give you a little bit of history of Abraham. Abraham was living in the land of Ur. This is modern-day Iraq. He was, far, he was not from Israel, meaning Abraham was a Gentile. Abraham wasn't even a Jew. In fact, the Bible says that Abraham's dad used to go into pagan idolatry. He comes from a pagan background. And he grabs Abraham, he calls him out, and he says, I'm going to take you to Canaan, which is Israel, and I'm going to bring a nation out of you, a family and a nation out of you. And he gives him a promise. Somebody say promise. Promise. He gives him a promise. Abraham is 75 years old. And Abraham believes God's promise. He takes him to Canaan. You got to read all of Abraham. It's absolutely crazy. And 99 years old, he gives him the promise once again. And Abraham believes the promise. Number one, know your value. Here's number two, know your promises. Know your promises. The Bible says that Abraham believes the promise. Everybody following along? Abraham believes the promise. Well, read with me. Read with me. Know your promises. Go to, I'll just, just hear this. In Genesis chapter 15, Abraham is now in the promised land. And, and God calls Abraham and he says, he took him outside, Genesis chapter 15. He took him outside and he says, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord and he credited him, credited to him as righteousness. In other words, here's a Gentile who got taken out of the land of Ur. He's now in this new land. And God gives him a promise, and all Abraham did was believe, and God changed the credit in his account. He says, you're now righteous because you believe the promise I'm telling you. Now, listen, this is 600 years before the law was given. 600 years before there was any talk of circumcision, any talk of Sabbaths, any talk of eating kosher, any of that. He says, you're righteous because you believed my promise. God considered him righteous because he believed by faith. Like Abraham, we don't work for salvation, but we go and we don't have to go through rituals to be saved. It's by faith alone in God's grace alone. Come on, anybody thankful that God doesn't expect us to behave well? God doesn't expect us to do anything to get saved. He says, you don't work for salvation. You're saved by faith alone. And so you're here putting, putting all these stipulations on people. Well, well, if you get your act together, then you're saved. Can I tell you, you don't need to get your act together to get saved. You first get saved, then he helps you get, put, your, put your act together. You need to get cleaned up, wash your mouth. And then maybe God will accept you. He accepts you right now, and then he helps you live it out. We don't work for salvation. We work from salvation. I don't, you don't have to do anything to get saved. Have you been baptized? If you're not baptized, you're not saved. Have you taken communion? If you haven't taken communion, you're not saved. Right? The same thing that they did in the church in Rome, we do it nowadays. We put all these rituals, regulations, stipulations on people. And so many people think they have to work their way to God. Listen to this. There was a study done, and it said 77% of Americans believe that people must contribute their own effort for personal salvation. I got to do something. I got to behave good. I got to tithe. I got to give offerings. I got to get baptized. I got to make sure I do all these things, and then I'll be okay with God. Says that 52% believe that good deeds help them earn a spot in heaven. But, but Paul tells us otherwise in the book of Romans. Look at Romans. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. What does Scripture say? 
Abraham believed God, and it was credited credited to him as righteousness. Justification means your account has been changed. Abraham's account was changed all because he believed the promise of God. One preacher said, if you want to stay young, it doesn't matter how old you are, believe God's promises for your life. Abraham was 99 years old, and God promised him, I'm going to bring a nation out of you. You're going to have a son. Now, now I don't, I don't think i got to go into biology to explain that at 99, it's a little difficult to become a father. His wife, like they're both looking at each other. They're both looking at their bodies. And they're like, God, I don't, I don't know if you know, but, but we're, we're already past the stage of mul- multiplication. <laughs> right? Here's the thing. So many times we look at our natural impotence instead of looking at God's divine competence. Right now, God wants to do things in your life, and you're looking at your natural incompetence. God, but I can't. God has given you promises. God, but I know I'm too messed up. God, but I'm too far gone. God, but I'm too messed up. God, but I'm too far in. God, there's too much sin. God, there's no way you can do this. There's no way you can save me because we're looking. There's no way you can do a miracle in my marriage. There's no way you can do a miracle in my family. There's no way you can give me a business again. There's no way I can serve you again. There's no way I can go and go after this calling that you've given me because you're looking at your natural incompetence. In our natural ability, we can't. But in God's divine competence, he has power to do the impossible. Anybody believe God? He can turn it around in a moment. Come on, he'll restore the marriage. He'll bring back the kids. He'll give you that business. He'll help you out with your finances. He'll heal you. He'll save you. He'll deliver you. I'm glad that we serve a God that doesn't move on human strength, but he moves on his strength. Can I get an amen? Come on. Oh, you got to know your promises. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27 says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for me? Today, you're probably bringing up all these excuses of God, why I can't, why, why you can't. And many times what happens is that we put our limitations on God as if God is human. <laughs> God's not human. Like You may be going through circumstances, but can I tell you, circumstances that we go through, they won't break you. They'll just expose you. Circumstances, they'll expose your faith. This thing won't break you, but do you believe God can do it? Abraham is 99 years old, and he believes God. And because he believes, he's declared righteous. Today, just believe. Believe the promises over your life, over your family, over your marriage, over your health. Come on, believe the promises. Believe the promises of God. I don't know what he's promised you. I don't know what he's spoken over your life, but don't give up on the promises. There was a promise of salvation, and Abraham believed. And he was justified just because he believed. Then came circumcision, Sabbath, 600 years later, just as a seal of what was happening on the inside. But in the inside, we're already righteous. And so Paul is trying to explain this to the Roman church. He says, hey, know your value. Yes, we were condemned, but now we're justified. All because... We believe the promise of Jesus Christ. The same way Abraham, your father, believed the promise and was justified. That's all you got to do. And then he says, in fact, condemnation was so bad, but justification is so good that you need to understand all that comes with justification is deep. 
is deep. I wish we had time. Literally, chapter 5, we can take with chapter 5 a whole series on its own. But I'll wrap up chapter 5 just with this. Not only do you got to know your, know your value, not only do you got to know your promises, but number three, you got to know your benefits. Know the benefits that come with justification. Romans chapter 5, read with me verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. I want to tell you today that because we believe in Jesus and because we've been justified, the benefits package is amazing, <laughs> right? Like, like it's beyond what we could ever imagine. It's so profound. It's so amazing. Everything that we receive through justification, Paul says, oh, you now, because you're justified, you now have peace with God. We were at war with God, but we now have peace. Somebody say peace. peace. So many of us can say, Alex, but a lot of people have peace and they don't know Jesus. Can I tell you, that's temporary peace. That's the feeling of peace. I'm not talking about the feeling of peace. I'm talking about eternal peace with God. A lot of people have the feeling of peace. Oh, but look at them. They're far from God. They're, they're pagans. They're away from God. And they got, they got riches. They got fortunes. They're living temporary peace. They think that everything that this world offers can give them peace. That's temporary peace. That's not eternal peace. Temporary peace. Paul says, when you know Jesus... Oh, when you've been justified, you have eternal peace with God. You're no longer at war with God. A lot of people on earth, they have temporary peace, but their souls, their spirit are still at war with God. He says, the benefits package, you have peace. Me and you have peace with eternal God. He's no longer mad at us. He's no longer against us. He's now pleased with us. Because we've been justified. When he sees us, he sees Jesus. It's literally what chapters 3, 4, and 5 are all about. And then he says, we have access to God. We've been given access to God. Romans chapter 5 is profound. You've got to know the benefits that you have. You've been given peace. You've been given access. You've been given grace. You've been given hope. Even hope through suffering, Paul says. You have the hope of the glory of God living within you. Like, the benefits package is amazing. He says, you don't understand everything that was against us when we were condemned, but now everything that's for you when you've been justified. It's incredible. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 3, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We got a benefits package that outweighs anything this world could ever offer. It's eternal peace. It's eternal security. It's healing. It's salvation. It's deliverance. Oh, it's amazing when we get right with God. What does this world got to offer? Money? Success? Fame? That people will recognize you and know you? Positions? Status? And you think that'll bring some kind of peace? The psalmist and Paul are saying that's nothing compared to everything that you now have in Jesus. 
It's amazing. You got to know your value, know your promises, and know your benefits now that you've been justified with God. And then at the end of chapter 5, he brings up Adam. Why does he bring up Adam? He says, because of Adam, he was the representative of all humanity. Because Adam sinned, sin entered his spiritual DNA. It was in his genes and his DNA. And now got passed down to all of Adam's children, who's all of us. And now we are all born in sin. The same way, for example, people will look at you and say, oh my God, you look just like your dad. You guys have the same eyes, same hair color, or no hair. Uh, Well, genetics are passed down. It's the same way spiritual genetics are passed down. Because Adam sinned, Adam and Eve, by the way, we love to shift blame. It was Eve. It was Eve and Adam, right? Because our spiritual parents sinned, we are all born in sin now. And so he brings that up in chapter 5. He says, hey, because of Adam, we were all condemned. Because Because of Adam, we were all in sin. Because of Adam, none of us were justified before God. Because of Adam, death came to humanity. Adam and Eve were immortal. They were living in the Garden of Eden. They weren't supposed to grow old. They weren't supposed to get wrinkles. They weren't supposed to get saggy. They weren't supposed to die. Sin entered their bodies, and the body began to decay. It's why we grow old now. It's why our bodies sag, get wrinkles, decay, disease. It's all because of sin. The world was perfect. Sin came and destroyed everything. That's why the Bible says creation now groans because it's asking for God to come and restore it. Sin entered the universe, destroyed everything. That's why there's earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes. Creation is waiting for a new beginning. Our bodies now are destroyed because of sin in our genetics. This is deep. Romans chapter 5 is deep. Know your benefits. He says, and if Adam changed the course of history, a new Adam came. This is deep. Because the one who represented all of humanity messed everything up. He sent a new Adam. And this one wasn't born of a man. He was born from a virgin. And so his spiritual DNA was perfect. And now he becomes the representative of humanity. And he says, if through through Adam you were condemned, now through Jesus you're justified. If because through Adam you were separated, now through Jesus you're forever united with God. The new and better Adam brings, be- brings benefits that you can't even imagine. Look at Romans chapter, Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if by the trespasses of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. If you received all of this through Adam, how much more through Jesus? If we were condemned through Adam, how much more through Jesus Christ? If you received penalty through Adam, how much more grace through Jesus? If you were condemned and sent to be guilty because of Adam, how much more do we receive in Jesus? You were sick because of Adam, but now you're healed because of Jesus. You were condemned because of Adam, but now you're free because of Jesus. Or you were in bondage because of Adam, how much more because of Jesus? You were dead because of Adam, but now we're alive because of Jesus. How much more? How much more do we receive because of Jesus? It's amazing. I don't know about you, but I I was blown away by Romans. Wow. 
Wow. Chapter one, we've ignored God. Chapter two, we've pretended to be right with God. Chapter three, we're all guilty before God. Chapter four, I just got to believe his promises. Chapter five, I'm forever blessed because of Jesus. Wow, this is the gospel. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and I, we no longer have to die. We've now been given life through the gift of righteousness in Jesus Christ. How much more? I don't know what you're living for, but can I tell you? There's that much more in Jesus. I don't know what you're a slave to, but that's why Paul is not ashamed to say, now I'm a slave, a bondservant of Jesus. Because he's given me so much more than my career, a salary, something that I was after. I was enslaved to everything in this world. But now I've received so much more through Jesus. I don't know about you, but that makes me fall in love with him more each and every single day. He loved me. I didn't deserve it. I was far from him. I was guilty. I wasn't righteous. There was evil in my DNA. There was sin in my chromosomes. Spiritually, I was dead. But through the new and better Adam, I've been given life, grace, redemption, justified, just as if I've never sinned. But every eye closed and every head bowed. Maybe you're watching and you say, Alex, that's me. I've, I've, I was far from God. I've done stuff nobody knows about. Made some bad choices in life. I thought wrong, said wrong, did wrong. <sighs> Shame and guilt. That's where we're at. I'm guilty. I know I'm guilty. I've lied, I've cheated, stolen, destroyed my family, destroyed my marriage, career. I know I'm guilty. And there's shame because of the stuff that I've done. Today I want to tell you God loves you so much. He knows everything that you and I have done. And still today, He loves you. And today he wants to justify you, just as if you've never sinned. How? Believe his promise. It's John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whosoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. That's it, Alex. That's it. That's what Romans 3, 4, and 5 say. Just believe. Just believe. It doesn't matter what you've done doesn't matter where you've been. I don't care what you were doing last month, last week. It doesn't matter what you were doing last night. It's a new day. There's grace for you today. There's forgiveness for you today. If you're watching and you say, I need a relationship with God. I need forgiveness. Today, I need a brand new beginning. I need a brand new start. It's your opportunity. Right there where you're at. With every eye closed, every head bowed. If you can close your eyes and bow your head right there, where you're at in your living room, bedroom, kitchen. You can just close your eyes and bow your head. And you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus. Sin separate us from God. But God loved us so much, he sent Jesus to come and unite us back to him. Jesus grabbed my sin, your sin, went up on a cross, died for humanity on that cross. He went down to a grave for three days. He was dead for three days. After three days, he resurrected. He's alive today, and he's offering a brand new beginning and a brand new life. The Bible says in the book of Romans that he who believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved. With eyes closed and head bowed, if you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand right there where you're at. Nobody has to see you right there where you're at. You're saying, God, I'm in. I'm in. I need forgiveness. I need justification. I got shame and guilt. At the count of three, you raise your hand. One, 
two, three. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Wherever you're at, you raise your hand. Amazing. Amazing. Every single week, so many people make this decision. Come on, raise your hand. You're telling God, I'm in, God. I need forgiveness. I'm believing in the promise of Jesus today. You can put your hands down. I want you to say this prayer with me. In fact, all of us want to say it together. We're putting our faith and our trust in Jesus right now. Repeat after me. Say this prayer with me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for a brand new beginning. From today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, we want to congratulate you. If you made that decision today to follow Jesus, why don't you let us know right now in the chats? Like literally just say, hey, I raised my hand here in my house or my, my office, wherever you're at, say, hey, I made that decision. I need a relationship with God. I made that decision today. Let us know. You can also send us a text. Send the word decided to 33222. We love you. We want to journey with you. We want to send a Bible to you. It's a free Bible. This Bible is really cool. It has a lot of notes to help you understand who God is and all the plans and purposes he has for your life. So let us know. We're going to get something to you. It's a free gift. It's amazing. and We don't want nothing else. In fact, we're here to help you because we're all on this journey together. Come on. Anybody loving the book of Romans? What a powerful book. It's an amazing book. I pray that this book keeps rocking your soul, that you do this journey with us as we're reading through 30 days, because as we read, I think that you're going to get a whole new understanding of what we talked about on Sundays. Hey, in the spirit of worship, I think we should continue to just thank God for the way we've been justified, for all the benefits that we get in Him. And so why don't we worship together? We love you so much. Let's worship. And then we'll join Phil and Diana for the outro, and they'll let us know a little bit more. But let's worship Jesus together. Turn your volumes all the way up. We love you so much. Can't wait for part three. Come on, let's worship together.